Hi, everybody. Uh, maybe worship was a bit too good. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice. So let's see how that goes. Yo, <laughs> um, as we were busy worshiping now, the Lord gave me such a sense that, um, or just a, a fresh reminder that even as we're worshiping Him as a collective tonight, we will give an account for Him, man alone, when He returns. Um, and so even when we are standing here and there's this, this sense of um, um, togetherness and this corporate worship, um, when Jesus comes back, it's going to be us and Him. And He knows our every thought and our, every, our heart's intention, everything about us He knows. He, he already knows. And um, I know Andrew sometimes used the analogy, uses the analogy of a big screen. Um, when, when God returns, there's going to be a big screen showing every aspect, every second of our life for the world to see. And, um, and God just reminded me of that. Um, he knows our heart's intentions, and it's just us and Him. Um, yeah, thanks for allowing me to share tonight. Um, the Lord's been pressing something in my heart, and oh, I just want to jump straight into Scripture. Um, Colossians 3, verses 1 to 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Um, yeah, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the earth. And the Lord's been ministering to me for the past few weeks on that topic, our minds. It's such a, um, it's such a powerful thing, but I, yeah, I let me not get ahead of time. Uh, but there was a, a great sense of urgency in sharing this. And um, yeah, I spoke uh, with Benny and he asked me, do you feel it's now?" And I thought, yeah, I pray, even prayed about it again when he asked me. And I said, yeah, it's now. God wants to. So even if it's just for one person here tonight, yeah, I'm trusting that the word can um, yeah, penetrate your heart as John prayed. Um, so it's very practical um, for those highly theological expositors out there. That's, um, tonight's going to be very practical, and I, and I believe there's such, it's such a gift um, to have practical, um, practical words, um, because when we walk out here, everything is just practice um, until the Lord returns. And so um, if you're taking notes, um, the title of the message is Consecrate Your Mind. Consecrate Your Mind. Um, and I think it's important that we understand the concept of consecration because uh, as a second uh, language English speaker, I also had to just work with it a bit. Um, so let's just, we see the Old Testament, there are many things that are consecrated all the time. There were people that were consecrated, there were items, and there were buildings, the tent of meeting was consecrated, um, the whole Mount Sinai was consecrated um, to God, and even a year, there was a year consecrated as a year of jubilee. Um, if you read the, the books of Moses. And so what does it mean to consecrate something? And it, yeah, I just, um, after reading up a bit further, because that's what I got first. It, it worked the other way around this time around. I felt God gave me the title, Consecrate Your Mind, and, and then I had to go and do the homework. So I had to go and make sure what it means. And, and really what consecration means is to, um, to set something aside for God's purposes, to dedicate it for holy use. That's really what it is, and, and, and that's what I'm, I'm hearing the Lord saying for tonight. He wants us to set our minds apart for His purposes and for holy use. And so the way we have been taught, and, and these things are not wrong, is that the Spirit does the work. Um, and the Spirit does do the work, definitely. And we can't be sanctified 
without the work of the Spirit. And that is so true. But I think there's such a danger, even as we, um, I was discussing with someone earlier this, this week, is that um, there, there comes this um, it's like a skewed sense of helplessness, that, that we throw our hands up in the air and say, I can't do anything about it. God must do it. Um, and and there's, there's a, it's mostly true, but there's, there's something that can, that can breed reluctance within us. And I feel that's what God wants to challenge tonight. And so that's where consecration comes in. Um, and I'll read it just now. Let's just go to Revelation chapter 3. We see, um, and we've heard this before, Behold, sorry, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with him and he with me. And in this scripture, John doesn't say that the Spirit bashes down the door. He says he stands at the door. He waits and he knocks. And in the same way, he's not going to... Sanctification means to make holy, to become holy, to become more into the image of God. And so he's not going to come and start, start molding us if we're not setting ourselves apart for that. And so in order for God to sanctify us, he needs us to consecrate ourselves. Um, and not just the obvious aspects. And so tonight, it's about matters of the mind, um, consecrating our mind. And I was just wondering, Lord, uh, why the mind? Why specifically the mind? Because when I think about mind, uh, the mind, I think about the brain. I think about intellect. I think about um, all those people that, as a hobby, read news. I don't get it. Um, and I really asked the Lord, why the mind? If my heart's right, if my spirit cries out to your spirit and all those aspects about my life is, is in line with you, why is the mind so important? And Alicia will concur, is that a word? Agree? That I am, I'm, I'm not intellectual, <laughs> that's not what I'm going to say. I'm very analytical. I have to reason with things. Um, and sometimes that's a stumbling block, a massive stumbling block, because it has to make, it's a Greek thinking mind. I think we said that in a conversation recently. And sometimes it feels like the Lord wants to make us Hebrew. Just think in pictures and, and squirrely lines. Take us outside of the boxes a little bit. And that's something I have to grapple with, with often. And so even in that moment, as I was reflecting on my own personality, I realized that my mind might well be my biggest enemy. Um, and the Lord took me to Luke. Oh, there's going to be a bit of scripture tonight. Um, but yeah, hopefully that yeah, does well and not, uh, not too much. Luke chapter 10, um, verses 25 to 28. He talks about um, the greatest command, as it's um, titled in the Old Testament. So a lawyer stood up um, before him and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And so this lawyer answers, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And so often, this is, um, in fact, some of the other um, Gospels emit the word mind there. Love the Lord with all your God, your, um, with all your um, heart, your soul, your strength. But actually, a few of them emit that one little word, and I don't think they were trying to trick us. Um, maybe, who was this? Luke. I don't know. Doctor? He understood the brain? I don't know. Luke was a doctor, so maybe, maybe, uh, maybe he was into psychology. I don't know. But, um, but he, he didn't neglect to emphasize the mind. Um, and we don't, we don't tend to emphasize the mind uh, that much. So just to, to distinguish quickly, I just wanted to specifically, but yeah, let me get to it. The heart, um, when we speak about the heart, it pertains to matters of belief, conscience, character, your understanding, your passions, your intentions. 
basically most of our relationship with Christ, I believe, um, is, is what we experience in our heart. Um, and then soul, because I had to... I had to like really go and do a bit of research because it, it felt to me a bit like spirit and a bit like heart. Um, and the soul refers to, when you look at the Hebrew word, it, it, it makes reference to when God created man and woman, um, when, he, when he created Adam, he breathed into his nostrils life. And so the word soul that comes from um, nepesh in, uh, in, in Hebrew actually means breath of life. So I have a soul because I am alive. When I'm no longer alive, I do not have a soul. Well, my body does not have a soul anymore. So really, that's what your soul means. So with your being, with your existence, the fact that you are here, um, love, you, love God with that. So that's what, what, what the soul refers to as a living being. And finally, your strength being your, 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 your physical acts, your service. And so those are things that we often grapple with. So, but I, I believe when, when Jesus says, if we must love him with our hearts, with our souls, with our strength, and with our, our mind, normally there's, there's not a particular order in which uh, they, they list these things. Um, sometimes it's quite clear that there's an order. But yeah, it seems to me, and I might be wrong, but he's, he's equating the mind to all of these other things too. It's of equal importance. He doesn't say it as a by the way or a PS at the end. And so... Um, yeah, what can the mind include? It's your, and, and this is, and, and, and even now, I would like to pray about this. Lord, I ask that tonight, whatever might be going on in our minds, that you would reveal those things to us, Lord. Even as we, um, as we continue in your word now, that you would reveal to us personally, even as there are, might be some examples, that you would personally reveal to us, Lord. What is it that's uh, occupy, occupying our, our minds? I ask that your spirit would do that right now and that every heart would be open and tender. Thank you, Jesus. And so when the Lord um, spoke to me about this word, uh, there were so many things that could possibly be included in what's going on in our minds. But the first things that came to mind was um, current affairs, politics, um, and all sorts of other things. And when I say those words, when I say the words um, government, or when I say the word um, economy, or costs of uh, cost of living what's the first thing that comes up into your mind and oftentimes we have an answer ready for our opinion on a matter because we ponder on it so much and um, uh, uh, some people refer to them as 3 a.m thoughts what are the things that you think about when you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and what are those things it can be the education of your child it can be your job it can be anything but the things that are consuming real estate inside of your thoughts and so um I want to quickly, um, John uh, referred to it just now. Why do we have to check our minds? Romans 12. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. And so renewal, I don't know about you, but that means to take out and replace. And so, um, yeah, let's, uh, sorry, <laughs> I just want to find my, my place here. Um, cool. So oftentimes I find myself that, um, as I said now, some, some might be led by emotion, some might be led by mind. It really depends on your, your person that you are. But oftentimes I find that I have to play catch up with my mind. I don't know if anyone else experiences that. Uh, my mind's already running over there, and then I have to slow down, reel it back in, and just settle for a second. Okay, 
Let's talk about facts, really. Let's talk about truth, because I think that's what it is. That's what it is to, to settle our minds. It's to ponder on truth. What is truth? Um, there's a lot of, there is no lack of opinions out there. Everyone has a master's degree in everything. Um, and so what is it that, that really matters to us? It's the truth as we read it in the word of God. Um, and that's what should be consuming our minds. Um, actually, Paul calls everything other than the kingdom, things in the kingdom, futile and pointless. In Ephesians 4, 17, he says, now referring to the Gentiles, he says, and this means um, sinners. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must not, uh, no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Pointlessness and uselessness. Pondering on things that have no, the real, the key here for me is no, no eternal value. You can't take it with you, and it doesn't really matter. And, um, and this was a good image. As I said, I, I need to sometimes catch up with my mind. Um, 2 Corinthians 10. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And... Um, as I was chatting with someone earlier this week, uh, I just realized by implication, if you're having to take something captive, it already tells you it's running ahead of you. Um, you have to go and fetch it, bring it back. Um, sometimes I imagine those parents with the harnesses. Because um, that's what your mind does. It's, um, and we don't think about it, no pun with the thinking thing, but we don't think about our mind often enough. It really it dictates everything. If our mind does not allow our spirit to receive, our spirit will not receive. That is the gatekeeper to our spirit, to our soul, to our heart, to everything that God does with us. Your mind will be your biggest enemy, or it will be your best friend. And so um, it says, take every thought captive um, so it doesn't run wild. So even as the Lord ministered, because I, I have faith that he ministered to you um, as we just quickly prayed now, and, and just think about it for a moment. What are the things that are in your mind? What is the stuff that is, and are they obedient to Christ? And what does it mean? How is the thought obedient to Christ? Is it aligned with the word of God? Is it aligned with truth? Um, there's so many questions we often ask, and we look for answers in all places except the true and only word of God. Um, so are your thoughts obedient to Christ? I um, was reminded of um, Genesis um, as I was thinking, and I love I really love to learn. I, 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 there's a, a, will, a word called a polymath. I'm not that, if anyone's wondering. But that means it's someone with a drive to know as much as they possibly can. And regardless of intention. So it could be good intentions, but it's someone that always has a hunger for knowledge. And I'm not that. But what I do know is that any opportunity that I get to learn something new, it excites me. I often bore people that... Um, <laughs> so Alicia had to... Um, I had to highlight this to someone recently. So we were driving to the youth gathering in Mossel Bay. And I'm, I went, for some odd reason, into tour guide mode. And so we're driving into this town, and I start talking to them about Mossel Bay and things about Mossel Bay. And afterwards, Alicia's like, they don't care. They really don't care. You could see it. You could hear it. They're teens. They don't care about the history of this town, when this road was built, and they don't care. I'm like, oh, yeah, not everyone's a nerd like me. So because uh, uh, so knowledge can... Knowledge can build you. It's good. Knowledge is good. But it can really break you too. And the Spirit led me to the book of Genesis. And oftentimes we have a connotation when we read about that tree. But it didn't say, don't eat of the 
fruit of the tree of evil. It said, don't eat about the, uh, of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You see, Adam and Eve didn't know there was a difference. All they knew was good. They didn't know there was an opposite. They didn't know there was any contradiction to what they knew. Everything they knew was good. And only once they knew that there was good and evil did they know of the existence of evil. And so there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was their enemy, even if some of that knowledge was good. Because all of a sudden there was a contrast. Now they knew about evil. They knew about good. They knew about evil. And so that was a good and that was a good example for me that it's not always good to know. It can be your enemy as well. And as I mentioned earlier, your mind is prime, um, especially for the guys. You can't have too much going on at once. So if you're thinking about something, I, I don't know if you guys know Mark Gunger. He has this awesome uh, laughing your way to a better marriage. Most of, anyway. So one of the stuff he talks about is that nothing mocks because guys can't think about too many things at one point. And so I've realized um, I have to work so much harder when I've got something robbing me of my, uh, of my mind, of my, the real estate inside my mind, there is no place for Christ. And so I have to always be sweeping things out because I don't have that much space because I'm a one-track mind kind of guy. <laughs> I get distracted if you haven't noticed. Um, so what happens when we don't, don't consecrate our minds? What happens when we don't say, mind, be obedient to Christ? What is the flip side? And I believe that might be the case for us tonight. And so I really want you to open your hearts to this. Remember, God is a jealous God. God has created you for his purposes and for his works. And when we are not living in the destiny that God has created for us, he is a jealous God. And so um, it took me to Joshua. And this is really the main, um, the main thing that, that he laid on my heart for tonight. So Joshua chapter 6, verses 15 to 19. This is... Um, this pertains to the um, Jericho, taking of Jericho. On the seventh day, they rose, this is the army, they rose early, and at the dawn of day, day, sorry, at the dawn of day, and they marched to the city in the same manner seven times. It was, the, it was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the se- at seventh time, when the priests blew their trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, and the, um, for the Lord has given you the city. And the city and all that was with um, This is the key part. And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. And only Rahab the prostitute and all who were in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted for destruction, lest when you have devoted them you take any of the sorry, lest when you have devoted them you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction. And bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord, and they shall go into the treasury of the Lord. The good and the bad belong to the Lord, yeah. And later on, well, they took the city of Jericho, and we, we learn that they start losing battles. Um, I think uh, someone made mention of it last week, I can't remember, but they start losing battles all of a sudden. And Joshua, being the leader of this army, he, he cannot comprehend why are, is he losing battles. And even here, I would like to ask you, are you constantly losing your spiritual battles? 
Are you, are you on the, are you, are you, do you constantly feel defeated that you're not getting breakthrough? breakthrough? Um, let's read further on what happens after that. So Joshua, um, did I skip a part? Sorry about that. Okay. Joshua 7, 6 to 13. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same thing and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring, his, um, bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been rooted by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out your name, out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? And he was defeated. In verse 10, we read further. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I've commanded them to keep. They've taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen, they've lied, and they've put them in their own possession, um, with their own possessions. That's why the Israelites cannot, keep, cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted for destruction. And even there, there was a sense that the sin was in a certain area. There were things devoted for destruction. And God removed his blessing entirely from them as an army because of these things. There was sin in the camp. One man, one man buried it. No one knew about it. No, no person knew about it. But God knew about it. And he removed his blessing from the whole, um, from the whole army. And even in that, we have such responsibility being a part of a body of believers that when there's sin in your camp, even that none of us know about, this, this family will face defeat. And there's such a responsibility for us to keep our sights clean and to keep in line with what God has commanded us to do. By letting evil into our hearts, there's the same judgment. Um, yeah, same judgment that's, uh, that's, sorry. By letting that which is evil into our hearts, the same judgment that's, that is to be upon things often enlarges unto our whole lives too. So then he says in verse 13, Go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. So what are the devoted things in your mind? What are the things that are in the place of the things that should. So they were supposed to walk out there with nothing for themselves. But they took something along that wasn't theirs to hold on to. And those are the things that, that are weighing down our minds and stealing space in our minds of what Christ wants to do. Um, and, and, and the things that they speak about, the devoted things, um, as I just read, was devoted for distractions, things that are cursed. It's things that will bring curse on you if you hold on to it. We can't trust ourselves so this is what, hap what I think, um, even just uh, this analogy that you read here, we can't trust ourselves to simply say, I will leave something behind. God didn't say leave it behind. He says, take it and bring it to me. He says, bring, the, the, bring those devoted things to me. Because he knows 
like with, all, with every thought that consumes our mind, if we are going to say, I want to leave it there, he knows we're going to go back to it. We have to give it to the Lord. And so um, this is what happens when they find out who brought sin into the camp. Um, Joshua 7 um, verse 25, and Joshua said, why did you bring trouble on us? He's speaking to Achan. The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stone, stoned them with stones, including those things which he stole. Sorry, just adding that. Um, so Joshua, and, and then we read on further, speaking about stoning and burning, Joshua chapter 8, just a bit further on, verse 29, Joshua burned a, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and made it forever a heap of ruins, as it is to this day. So we can't, um, Proverbs 26 verse 11 says, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. If we give it to the Lord, we can't return to it. If we give it to the Lord, it's a burnt offering. It goes to the Lord. That's it. We can't leave it behind. We actually need to take it up and take it to him. And that's what it means to consecrate. When I think about consecration, I'm thinking about for God to reach down and sanctify, we have to hold up and consecrate. Because when we leave it down there, we will pick it up again. That is what we do. Okay. So I asked the Lord, what is the effect? If our minds are consecrated and it's set on you, Lord, what is the effect? How will it benefit you? How, why is this important to you? Because um, um, I really felt that this was a reproach. I felt the Lord saying, this is stealing from him. We are stealing from him. And so I'm, I'm asking, Lord, what is the, um, obviously there's benefit, but Lord, what do you want to say tonight in this? Why? And um, I was reminded of um, 2 Timothy 2. Um, and when he shared on this once, and it, it really stuck with me. Now, in a great house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy and useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. You are not going to host a party at your house and tell people they can get drinking water from the toilet or serve punch from an old bathtub because those are vessels for dishonorable use. And when we, are, when we are contaminating our minds with things that are not of God, that is exactly what we are doing. We are saying, God, my mind is yours, but if you don't mind, won't you share it with all this nonsense which I've been reading this whole week or listening to? Do you mind sharing with everything that surrounds me? And the Lord's saying, there are vessels for honorable and for this. I don't see an in-between. And so... We need to consecrate our minds so that he can make our minds vessels for honorable use. So what is the flip side? What should we be thinking about? When, um, I always ask the question, if the Lord's going to take something away, what does he want to replace it with? And so if we are thinking about education um, of our children or finances or job opportunities or anything that's consuming our minds right now, because let's be honest, fuel, load shedding, economy, education, progressive Christianity, even within the church. I'll be honest, the thing that most consumes me is nothing to do with current affairs. It's about what's going on in the church, not this church, the church. I'm, I'm grieved by it, and it consumes me. And even that 
even that which might be disguised as an as a, a honorable or a noble thing to be concerned about, that is stealing my mind from God. And so that's what he spoke to me about. And so what should we be pondering about? Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worth of praise, think about these things. It's beautiful how the word says that our minds, we know God's truth because his law is written on our hearts. Even someone who denies God and would claim to be an atheist, they know God's law by their conscience. They know. when. They, how crazy is that? Someone that denounces God knows when they are sinning against God. Mind-blowing. It's within our DNA. We know. So when you are thinking about things that you know is not glorifying to God, you know it already. And God's not coming tonight to say these things are not um, holy. You already know they're not holy. He's saying this is a serious matter, much more serious than what you may realize. And so I didn't give Renee this because I'm going to go very quickly through it. David is such a great example for me of meditating on God. Um, and so just a few scriptures from there, and I'll go very quickly. Um, I'm not even going to say from where, but they're all from Psalms, and if you want them afterwards, I'll reference it. Otherwise, it's going to take too long. He says, When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. And the next one, I will ponder on your work. I'll meditate on your mighty deeds. I will meditate on your precepts, which is your principles, and fix my eyes on your ways. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. And finally, I will lift my hands towards your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. And we adm I admire David. I really do. When I think about David, I always think, he, I, I imagine this man that was so sold out and in love with God that he, he couldn't, I, I mean, he, the guy wrote poems and songs and um, he danced half naked in front of the Ark of the Covenant. He must have been madly in love with God. And I'm always thinking, that's the goal. And actually his secret is written right here. So all we're doing is we're admiring King David when really all we should be doing is Start doing what he did. Meditate on the word of God. Meditate on the true attributes of God. And oftentimes, and this is, a, this is a cancer, we are not too busy. The thought that we are too busy is a dangerous thing. We are not too busy. David ran a country. He led an army. He wrote worship songs. He had his own household to deal with. Quite a bit of domestic turmoil at some point. Yet... <laughs> Yet, he found the time to meditate on God throughout his life, at least the best that we know about. Even before he was the king of Israel, as a shepherd, we heard about it with um, Brad Verena, as a shepherd, he was meditating on God. He was faithful to God. So if you're running a country, you're leading an army, you're leading your house, you're writing songs, and you still have time to meditate on God day and night, how much more can we? And so, just... As we start to land it, I was trying not to use that. Everyone says that, land. Okay, as we draw to a close. Um, I'm just going to repeat um, Joshua 7, 
chapter, uh, uh, chapter 7, verse 12. Therefore the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted because they have become devoted for destruction. Uh, hear what he's saying here. He first uh, spoke about items devoted for destruction. He said, now he talks about Israel because they have become devoted for destruction. Bringing the curse of those things upon their own lives because they were disobedient to God. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things. And yo, even as I was spending time with the Lord this morning, I felt a heaviness. I told Alicia, I came back from the study into the house and I'm like, my, I felt like my brain was hazy. It was such a, I, I almost physically felt the weight of this word. The Lord saying, you are stealing from me. And I think that's what he wants to, what he wants to work on tonight. In chapter 7, verse 13 in Joshua, it says, get up. This is what he's saying. As he was busy, he didn't say, that's your problem. Now you, you are actually quite doomed for the rest of your life. Israel's doomed. He didn't say, good on you. You guys did bad. He said, get up. Consecrate the people. And consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. And going further, he says, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away. So he's not saying you'll never be able to face your enemy. Bad on you. He's saying until you haven't dealt with this, you won't defeat your enemies. And so that's, and this is what I felt the Lord say tonight. Tonight there's a time for repentance, there's a time for response, and there's a time to continue running the race and abiding in Him. And so, yeah, I feel like the Lord has spoken already. I have faith that He has spoken already. And so, can I ask, even just as a, as a, as a first, can we just stand up together? And tonight, the Lord... It feels so, it feels, it almost feels so practical. It almost feels so tangible and close to home that we might, we might disqualify or discard this as being a TED talk. It's not. Our minds belong to Christ and he's coming back to take what belongs to him. And so can we allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us for a second and to highlight these things in our mind that has been stealing our minds away from him? Lord, would you minister to us right now, Lord? Lord, you are a jealous God. And you will not share what is yours. Lord, you are giving us such a profound opportunity tonight to say, Lord, I want to take something which I have been, which really I've been adding all my, all the dirt and all the rubbish in my world. I've been contaminating a vessel that was intended for your purposes. And I come here on a Sunday, Lord, and I sing your praise, and I know you are my Savior, and you are my Lord. But when I return back home, the worries of this world consume me. Lord, I ask that even where the enemy has deceived us into thinking these are noble, and these are good, and it's reasonable things to be breaking our brains about, that you would break that lie. 
Lord, nothing is worthy of taking your place in our, in our minds. Lord, would you instill into us a new passion and a new love for your word. For your truth, Lord. Lord, there is only one truth. And that's your, your truth, Lord. It's your word. There is not my truth and his truth and her truth. Even as that scripture says in Romans, so that we may test and discern what is good. Lord, I ask that we would stop cluttering our mind and skewing And I believe there, there is a response for each one of us tonight. Even as, as I was sharing and the Lord um, showed me what, what consumes my mind at times. It starts with repentance. So even just as we are standing where we are, don't you want to just make right with God? He says, get up from your face, consecrate yourself. Say, Lord, here I am. It's all yours. Yeah, Lord, that we would be quick to, to deal with that. Just while we in this moment, I think one of the biggest things that take from our mind is this thing we're living in a day and age where this consumes our minds daily and you know the bible says in the you know just in in the last days it's 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 like god calling us to redeem the time that we're in this thing if you want to redeem your time this thing you've got to have a discipline over that thing that Stephen's talking about too, have that leash. It's this thing. I've, I've been challenged over the last month, just the Lord challenging me of putting those things aside because if I'm consumed with that, I'm not consumed with Him. I'm not even aware of Him. And, and so I just want to even throw it out there to you guys. Discipline yourself. The Holy Spirit's, you know, like, like Stephen said, he's going to knock at the door, but you've got to submit to him in that, those moments. Submit and put away the TikTok videos, kids. Put away those things. They consume you. I, I know, you know, the Facebooks, all of those things. Just by, isn't it amazing how time just goes? And you look again, and where did that half hour go? Where did that hour go? And you do every day. Those things are consuming our time. And God's calling us to be a holy people that are sanctified for him. Uh, and I've said to the Lord from, from, from that day that he challenged me in was I will not look at my phone. There's certain hours of the day I'll put that thing away, even if it's for elders. I've got so many elders groups, so many church groups, so I'll put those things away because even that in itself, even if it's for the church, if it's not first the Lord, I can't help you. I can't help his church. I can't lead his church. I can't uh, submit in eldership because of that. And so it starts with the Lord. And so I just want to challenge you guys. Uh, this is a call to obedience. Um, it's not going to be a one, uh, you know, just the one that we wave and, okay, we're all doing it. No, it's going to be a constant sacrifice. You, it's almost like a fast <laughs> that we need to do. And so I want to challenge you guys in that. Do it. It's, it's, if we're going to be a people like, like the sons of Issachar who could discern 
the times we can only do it as we're hearing the Lord telling us what to do. And and so yeah, I, I, so I'll, I'll just confirm just in that prayer that Lord, I pray that even in this, uh, as Stevens has brought the word, but really its relevance for us today is. <laughs> in the technology that we have today. Lord, that so, so easily steals our time, even with, not only with you, Lord, but with each other, with our, with our wives and with our husbands, with our children. Lord, this thing has robbed us, and it's robbed our time with you, Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that your church would redeem the time that you've given us, Lord, that we will not be consumed with the things that are not uh, important in, in, in the light of eternity Lord, that we're so involved in the temporal things. We're so involved in the trivial things. But Jesus, you're calling us to eternity. And Lord, I pray that we'll be a people consumed with the things of the kingdom. And so, Father, won't you come and do that with every single one of us, Jesus, as we consecrate our minds, our hearts, our bodies to you, Jesus, that every day we become a living sacrifice called to the plans and purposes that you have for us, Jesus. And Father, as we do that, I pray as we respond to you in that, so as our minds are consecrated, we begin to, to see what the Father's calling us to, to do what the Father's telling us to do, like you did, Jesus. And Father, in that, I believe your church will rise to the place that she's called to be. And so bless your church. I pray that you empower every single one of us to, to, to submit our hearts and our minds to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Stephen. Been great. Yeah, so let's do it. Let's apply the word now. Not only be hearers of the word, and uh, amen.